You're listening to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. Good morning. Welcome to the All-American Hour with Geordie and the Chief. It's great to be with you here on another edition of the show. Massive week in American sport. We have, this is the week where everything comes together. All four of the major codes are going to overlap for only a few weeks, maybe one week or so in this uh, calendar year. But it is always uh, a great time in American sport where we've got We're in in the middle of the NFL season. We've got the Major League postseason on right now. The NHL just started and the NBA is about to get underway next week. Plus all the regular college football activity. There's uh, motor racing over in the United States this week with NASCAR as always. But the F1s are there as well. UFC is taking the headlines this morning. And it's always a pleasure to welcome the Chief to the All-American Hour. Morning, Chief. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy. Great to be on with you guys. What has been uh, what's been taking your fancy this week? Well, I'm just just right now, you know, on a on a Saturday, late October, it's starting to get brisk here in the northeast of the U.S. and college football. And uh, had a great game this uh, morning, early uh, start, noon start, local uh, number three, Ohio State beating number seven, Penn State, and now watching uh, number uh, eleven, Alabama, uh, take on and host uh, number seventeen, Tennessee, and. Just, you know, all four of these these college teams, you know, Ohio State, Penn State of the Big Ten, rivals, Alabama, Tennessee, rivals forever in the SEC. All four of their home stadiums have a capacity of over 100,000 fans. So no matter where you're playing, it, the, these teams, when they host, they host 100,000 and all four of them with Australian punters. So it just shows you how small the world is and how, you know, this traditional American sport of uh, college football has been invaded. There's 68 uh, power conference teams, and half of them have Australian punters. And I think pretty soon, you know, the NFL, I think there's seven right now of the 32, but uh, only a matter of time where it's about probably about half. Um, So uh, as an American sports fan, it's great to see our two countries uh, so close. Absolutely. Yeah, Tennessee and, uh, and Alabama are on at the moment. Uh, in the second quarter, and um, one of the the punters uh, in this match, the punter for Tennessee, is uh, Jackson Ross, who used to play um, professional AFL football here in Australia for Hawthorne. He, he didn't um, get many games with the Hawks, but identified um, American football as, as a career path, and it's working really well for him, I guess, because Tennessee are doing well. He's doing well there. They're, they're the number 17 seed, um, so he's on the field. I think a couple of our uh, footballers at the moment from, uh, from Hawthorne have actually gone over because uh, it's uh, the Aussie rules off-season right now. So they've head over to um, to see him play live. And, uh, and Alabama's punter is uh, James Burnup. So uh, two Aussies uh, in that match there. And uh, James is from Mount Macedon in Victoria, which is um, up near the mountains. So um, two, uh, two Victorian uh, punters uh, for these two teams playing at the moment. But uh, not just, as you said, not just those two. There's heaps around college football and all playing for, for big teams, which is um, which is amazing as well. From the week that we've had, uh, Chief, who's been your star of the week? Who's been the, the top performer for you that you'd like to pick out? Well, I'm going to have to go with uh, – it's an odd one, but I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars medical staff. Just <laughs> They gave the game ball to the medical staff. Nothing specific, but they've won, nine, uh, they've won four NFL games, won their last four, over 19 days playing in uh, a couple different countries, starting out playing at Tottenham Stadium and then – I'm sorry, Wembley Stadium to Tottenham back home to Jacksonville, and then had a short just Thursday night road game to New Orleans and uh, won a very, very competitive battle with uh, New Orleans Saints. So the Jacksonville Jaguars um, just 
the team, but just to be able to, to get through that gauntlet and really establish themselves as uh, the best team in the, uh, the AFC South. And uh, Trevor Lawrence really becoming a player now that um, as a quarterback that can really talk about is in the, the top uh, bunch of the quarterbacks in the league. He'll uh, almost certainly be playing in the playoffs again this year. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? They've won four games in a row. They're five and two now. The Jacksonville Jaguars. That's kind of. I mean, I think we expected them to be uh, one of the the better uh, teams, or maybe the best team from their division, the AFC South. Uh, but this early season record after seven weeks, five and two, they've won four in a row. That's kind of happened um, almost out of no, a bit under the radar, I'd say. That the Jacksonville Jaguars this form that they've been on. Yeah, um, obviously they have the, the, the star quarterback. They've done a good job drafting at the top of the draft. And they've been it so poor and hitting with some defensive players. The defense is, is very strong. Uh, Travis Etienne has scored uh, two touchdowns in each of the last three games. Uh, so they, they have a lot of options. They added some good wide receivers. They have a very solid tight end. So a very well-rounded team and, and a coach in Doug Peterson that won a Super Bowl as head coach of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. What did you make of the end of that game on Thursday night? So Christian Kirk scores the winning touchdown uh, with well, three minutes, four minutes left in the last quarter. But the, um, the, 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 the major talking point, I suppose, was the very end of the game, the last minute where the Saints tight end Foster Moreau drops the ball in the end zone. It, he, had, he got sort of broken coverage. He was free uh, from his defenders and it hit his hands and then he dropped it and that would have been the winning or that would have been the, the, at least the, the tying touchdown for the Saints. Yeah, and there's no one took it harder than Foster Moreau himself, who's been dealing with health issues off the field. And um, yeah, it's just it's so unfortunate to see a player who's been getting overcoming all that to get back on the field, and to just have something like that where um, you know it's it, no one hurts more than Foster Moreau. So it's unfortunate, but I think the Saints had a lot of other chances. Derek Carr. Honestly, I don't think he's the best quarterback on their team. I think Jameis Winston is a better NFL quarterback than Derek Carr. And I, I really, you see the Saints uh, just kind of being a, a very lackluster and, and uh, struggling team. And I think so much of that is the quarterback. But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate that, that you really can't blame Derek Carr on that play. But over the course of the game, he missed a lot of opportunities. So uh, the Saints, yeah, just a languishing team. And... Uh, Jacksonville, yeah, getting a nice win uh, on a short week. Before we dive into week seven and what we've got coming up, I just want to rewind to week six last week where we had the two teams that had remained undefeated until week six were both knocked off last week. The San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles both lost their first games of the season last week. The Jets beat the Eagles 20-14 to and the 49ers lost their first game of the season to Cleveland by two points, 19-17. to So we've got no more... Um, no more undefeated teams in the NFL season. Uh, but having said that, I, even despite the loss that the 49ers had, I still rate them as the best team in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. They had so many in-game injuries. Christian McCaffrey got hurt early in the, in the first half and was knocked out of the game. But luckily, that's not a long-term injury. Same with Debo Samuel, their star wide receiver. Trent Williams, their star tackle, injured early, came back into the game. They lost a player or two on defense. And still had a chance to win the game with a field goal, uh, a very uh, makeable field goal that was missed. So, uh, yeah, I still, and again, we said that was a little bit of a tough spot. Bad weather, um, a 1 o'clock East, Eastern time zone game. Uh, Cleveland's defense, very underrated. So, um, again, if you're going to lose a game in the NFL, it's, it wasn't a bad one. 
considering everything that happened to the 49ers, and they still uh, should have won the game. Um, as for the Philadelphia Eagles, yeah, they, they really uh, uh, had the, the game in control, and Jets' defense made some plays, and, and Jalen Hurts made some uncharacteristic mistakes, and uh, the Jets game came through. But, yeah, I would still rank the 49ers one, um, you know, with the Chiefs right there with them. Mm. Uh, let's have a look at the uh, at the week seven games we've got coming up. So, what would you pick? Is I think there's a couple of definite standouts, and I expect you to go with one or two here as what could be the best game of week seven ahead of us. Well, yeah, I think it's that that Sunday night game, Philadelphia Eagles hosting uh, the Miami Dolphins. Uh, both teams just with the one loss, um, expected points fifty one. So you. Kind of, uh, even though the season's been a little bit lower scoring across the NFL, this is 40, the uh, uh, Miami Dolphins certainly aren't one of those teams that's a low scoring team and they give up their share. And Philadelphia certainly has an offense that can score. So that should be a, a very entertaining game. Two uh, quarterbacks that have a lot of history, both members of the same team at the University of Alabama before Jalen Hurts moved yeah. to transferred to Oklahoma and finished his college career there. So these quarterbacks know each other very well. Um, it just, uh, yeah, I mean, really uh, a Sunday night game, a primetime game here in the States, that's prime and that will get a very big rating. And uh, I'm, I'm certainly super excited to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, that is the game of the week. And uh, yeah, the Dolphins 5-1, the Eagles 5-1. Who have you got? Who, who are you picking to win that? Yeah, you know, I like Philadelphia at home. I think their defense is just a little bit better. I think the crowd will be a, a factor. Uh, and, it, you know, the point spread, just three points. Basically, they saying that these two teams are very even and just Philly with a slight edge with the home field. But I think they win by more than the three. I think they have the edge on defense, and I think that, that home field, Philadelphia home field, really in a couple sports, we'll talk later about the baseball, is just so big. So, uh uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm certainly uh, going to back the Eagles in that one. The uh, Lions take on the Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens hosting this game. Both teams have winning records in the season. The Lions are 5-1. and one, The Ravens are 4-2. and two. Detroit have uh, have been on a on a great streak of point scoring. I think it uh, goes back to last season where they've scored uh, at least 20 points in all of those in, in consecutive matches. And, uh, and that um, hasn't been broken yet this season. So they have been a, a great scoring team on offense. They've got five wins to their name, just the one loss earlier in the season, which was an overtime loss as well to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Travelling to face Baltimore now, who got back on the winner's list last week with a win against the Titans. But uh, you do feel like, uh, I would feel like, even though they've got the home field advantage, that the Lions go into this game as favourite. Well, you know, again, the, the market doesn't have that. The bookmakers have uh, the Baltimore Ravens as three-point favourites. So they're saying even... At matchup, Baltimore at home. I think Baltimore gets a little extra home field advantage here because the weather is going to be bad. David Montgomery is out for the Detroit Lions. Really would be a very key workhorse in a situation where it could be very windy. Weather could be a factor. Detroit is an indoor team going playing uh, back-to-back road games. They had to play in Tampa and now having to play in Baltimore. Uh, I, I like Baltimore in this spot. I think it's a, a real good opportunity to win this game at home. I think they're the better team. And uh, I know a lot of people like Detroit and what they've done so far, but I, I'm just kind of a bigger Lamar Jackson fan maybe than the, the rest of the, the, the market. I think that uh, I, really, uh, I really like Baltimore in this spot. 
The Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams have uh, found a bit of form in the last couple of weeks. They've won two of their last three games, losing to Philadelphia in between that, which is uh, sort of fair enough, I suppose. They had a good win last week against the Cardinals, 26-9. to They do have injuries, though. Kyron Williams has just been put on IR in the last 24 hours, who has been... Um, they're sort of newfound running back, but he's going to be out for at least four weeks now with injury. So there's a little bit of um, a shuffling that'll have to happen in the backfield. They did get back uh, Cooper Cup in the last fortnight, however, so they've got their biggest weapon on offense returning. And they have to take on the Steelers now, whose, uh, whose defense is always tricky to come up against. Um, the Steelers uh, come off a bye. Their last win was against the Baltimore Ravens. They won three of their last four games, the Steelers. So they've found a bit of form. I think this could be an interesting matchup. Yeah, no, no, it certainly is. Uh, again, this will be a game where there'll be a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans in, in L.A., a big, very super popular team, Pittsburgh, because their dominance in the 1970s really grew a huge fan base. So, yeah, I think uh, you know, Rams are favored, obviously, at home and a little bit better team, about three to three and a half. Really could kind of see this game go either way. Uh, you got to like the Rams a little bit uh, because they're home. But, yeah, Pittsburgh off a bye. I think they had... Uh, Good two weeks to recover from a tough game against Baltimore, but they won. And, uh, yeah, I, I like this game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. A divisional matchup which uh, could have bearings on who tops the division in the NFC South is the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Now, this is helped by uh, the fact that the Saints lost on the Thursday night game. So they've gone to three and four now in this division. The Saints, uh, the Panthers are nowhere. They're 0-6. They're, they're the only winless team uh, left in the NFL. But the Buccaneers are three and two. They had the bye. The Falcons are three and three, so their uh, percentage is just a little lower. But they take each other on. The Buccaneers host this game. But the Falcons, you'd give them a real chance, wouldn't you, to 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 be in this game, make it a contest, and if they win, then they'll um, they should jump the Buccaneers to top the NFC South in what is not the strongest division in football. It must be said. No, no, certainly uh, NFC South, one of the the poorer divisions. Yeah, this is really, again, another kind of toss-up game, really. Uh, just Tampa's, you know, got the home field advantage, favoritism. They're pretty much even teams, pretty inconsistent. Um, I was disappointed in the way Tampa played. Uh, Tampa Bay played last week, um, getting really dominated at home against the Detroit Lions. So um, Atlanta's uh, been much better at home than on the road, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, a division game. I think you could see it go either way, turnovers, Really hard to tip or anything, uh, but could again be an entertaining one to watch. All right, the remaining eight games of week number seven. Let's let's do a quick fire uh, pick for each game and what you, who you think is going to win. Uh, the Raiders are at the Bears. Both teams don't have their starting quarterbacks. Garoppolo <laughs> and Fields are both out. So who knows what happens here? Yeah, it's O'Connell versus Badgent, which is just <laughs> shocking, uh, you know, uh, unknown players. Uh, but I like Chicago here off the bye. Again, this is an Eastern time zone game. Um, oh, it's a Central time zone game, so it's only a two-hour body clock difference for Vegas. But uh, I think Chicago off the bye uh, gets the, the – there'll be a slightest upset. Okay, I'll go Raiders. I liked what they're doing on defense. Max Crosby's been a, a monster this season. Uh, Browns go to the Colts. Who have you got here? Richardson out for the season, it must be said, too. Anthony Richardson has had shoulder in, uh, shoulder surgery, so he's out for the rest of the season. Gardner Minshew is their quarterback, Indianapolis. Yeah, and Cleveland will be without Deshaun Watson as well, I believe. I see TBD here for quarterback, so P.J. Walker could be in the mix. Mm. Uh, the other rookie from UCLA also could be in the mix. Uh, 
uh, you know, I, I kind of like Indianapolis in this game just because Gardner Minshew is a bit of a veteran. Uh, we know how good the Browns' defense is, but coming off that big win on the road, I like the Colts. Okay, Browns' defense ranks top five in most categories, which which has swayed me towards Cleveland. Uh, the Bills, off the back of a pretty unconvincing win, it was an ordinary game last week. They just got the job done, Buffalo beating the, the Giants 14-9. to They play another lowly team this week. They travel to New England to face the Patriots. Uh, the Patriots have really been as bad a team. They did really have a, a good chance to win last week in, in uh, Las Vegas, but um, their, their offense has been giving up more points than they've been scoring, just with so many turnovers. You'd expect the Bills to come back after a, a tough effort and, and win this one. Um, again, they're favored by eight. I don't know if they win by eight, but uh, Buffalo win the game. Divisional matchup in the NFC North with the Washington Commanders, uh, sorry, the NFC East, I beg your pardon, Washington Commanders, uh, taking on the New York Giants. Uh, the Commanders have uh, been all right this season. They've they've been kind of impressive. Sam Howell, the new quarterback, has, has had some good moments. They did lose three games in a row, but then snapped that losing streak with the win last week against Atlanta, in Atlanta as well, which is pretty impressive. I've got them beating the Giants. Yeah, and they're, they're favored in New York. New York... Uh, Played as bad as well as they could and still couldn't win last week in Buffalo. And uh, it'll be uh, Tyrod Taylor, quarterback, again for the Giants. I thought we were seeing good signs from the Cardinals. They got a win early in the season. They beat the Dallas Cowboys, which was super impressive. They were putting up some good scores, uh, but that dried up last week when they just put the nine points up against the LA Rams. And now they've got uh, another divisional rivalry against the uh, Seattle Seahawks coming up this week. The Seahawks... Uh, a three and two, uh, having lost by four points to the Bengals last week. I'm picking the Seahawks to win this. Yeah, and they're they're big favorites actually. Right, them and, and Buffalo both eight and a half point favorites, biggest favorites on the board. Uh, again, it could be a close game. Arizona plays very tough, and their qu- quarterback Josh Dobbs doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Very smart, uh, very efficient quarterback for Arizona. So it could be a close division game. But yeah, I certainly expect Seattle to come back and win after losing last week. Do you give the Broncos a chance to get a second win for the season, given they are at home against the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, certainly. In this game, the Packers are just the slightest of favorites. Uh, They are coming off a bye, but uh, their quarterback, Jordan Love, hasn't looked very good. And Before the season, I would have expected more out of him. I've been wrong. I luckily haven't had the chance to tell people how how I thought he'd be playing a lot better. So Jordan Love's been disappointing. Um, You'd like to think eventually Russell Wilson and Sean Payton will click a little bit on offense. So I think Denver does get the win um, at home, you know, slightest underdog. If there's one team that needs to be better, it's the LA Chargers. I've, I've wanted to like them. I've wanted them to do well, but they just continue to fall short. They made some frustrating mistakes uh, last week against the Dallas Cowboys in a game that was there on the line. It was a low-scoring game. They could have, you know, had had their chance to win that game, lost it by three points, and now they've got to turn it around by travelling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Yeah, and Kansas City has a few extra days rest, having played that previous uh, Thursday. So, um yeah, I think you got a situation there where Kansas City is a nice-sized favorite, and rightfully so, and it's going to be a very popular game to, to, for the fans to be watching, and that tends not to favor the L.A. Chargers, where they, uh, they do lose a lot of games in this very ugly fashion. I think head coach change uh, there could be definitely in the offing, in the offseason, yeah. um, uh, because I'd like to see Justin Herbert get a chance with a better coach. Yeah, I, I agree. There were some there were some play calls and decisions made last week by Brandon Staley 
for the Chargers that were a little bit frustrating. And the Monday night game is the San Francisco 49ers travelling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. They've got to go up across the country and up north into the cold of Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Vikings have got two wins this season, but they are, or they were, against Carolina and Chicago. So uh, wins are wins, I suppose. You'll take them, but uh, haven't beaten anyone big yet this season. And the 49ers uh, will want to get back on the winner's list. I'm tipping San Francisco. Yeah, absolutely. I like them to win this game. It always seems like Minnesota plays one-score games and lose, so I think it could be a little bit of a closer game. And uh, San Francisco is playing more for the long term than just this week, so might not rush back. Uh, I would maybe be surprised to see Christian McCaffrey, but Elijah Mitchell's back, so he gives them some some options. And uh, yeah, San Francisco is still the much better team, so I expect them to win too. The extra day will help too, uh, having a you know play on Monday. So uh, extra day of rest, I like San Fran to win, but probably close game. As we head to the news, we want to give away a six pack of All American Draft beer for the best text. Root for your team and enjoy All American Draft. Drink responsibly. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the forty wings temper text. We want to uh, get your thoughts on who your pick is. Your pick of the week. Give us uh, of any of the matchups in NFL Week Seven coming up. Give us uh, a tip and and why you think uh, the team you've chosen is going to win. Give us a creative reason. We want to hear your thoughts off the text. And you can win a six-pack of All-American Draft Beer. We gave away our first six-pack last week. We've got six-packs to give away all season long. Six-pack of All-American Draft Beer for the best text. Brute for your team and enjoy All-American Draft. Drink responsibly. Turning our attention to the Major League uh, Chief, I have been absolutely zoned in, locked in, watching every match of the uh, of the championship series in the ALCS and NLCS this week in the Major League. And it's been... It's been thrilling baseball, really. The ALCS, we had the Rangers leading two games to zero. Now the Astros won the last three in a row with some uh, some extraordinary baseball. Just so much um, excitement. We'll, we'll touch on the specifics in a moment. The NLCS, um, after the Phillies were looking supremely dominant and leading 2-0, and the Arizona Diamondbacks have now won the last two games. Game five coming up today at 11 a.m. Australian uh, Eastern Daylight Time. In a nutshell, just from what we've seen in the last week, what have you made of of these championship series? Yeah, they started out a little, you know, one-sided, maybe not the best individual games, and then it just blew up to just <laughs> as dramatic uh, uh, baseball as you can have. And uh, we saw, you know, the Texas Rangers, a very streaky team towards the end of the regular season. They won the first, started out the playoffs, seven wins in a row, 7-0. and And then once they lost one, uh, it's now been three losses in a row, and Houston taking control. But all Texas has to do is get one, and... Then they'll get momentum back because it's uh, just uh, two games left in that series, but they have to win both. So uh, Houston in great shape, up three games to two to get back to the World Series and defend their championship. So talking about game five, the most recent game that just got played yesterday, um, we had a, a, a benches cleared situation late in the game, um, but ultimately it was it was Jose Altuve who hit a, a three-run home run to win the match when the Rangers were leading um, late in the contest and then and then Altuve hits that three-run home run to win the match. Um, I, think it, I think it was in the ninth inning, wasn't it? And, and the Astros won, have won three in a row. I mean, it's just the Astros have been the best team in, in baseball, you'd say, or you might argue, in the last you know five or so years. And, and Altuve has been uh, the, the face of this team. 
Yeah, and just so clutch and just such a massive spot. Uh, yeah, Adolis Garcia hit a three-run homer to flip the game and take the lead for the Rangers, and then in the bottom of the eighth inning, he gets drilled, uh, possibly as some uh, revenge for spiking the bat after the home run, really, uh, you know, celebrating a big time. Uh, but they got through that inning, down two runs, and then, yeah, Jose Altuve just always with that big clutch home run. He actually now has the most home runs in ALCS history uh, and, and pulls out a, a victory again for Houston, who just seemed to always get it done. This is their seventh straight ALCS, and they're looking to get right back to the World Series. But also their, their pitching, their relief pitching, their closer, Ryan Presley, cl- closing that game out too. Uh, didn't, wasn't over just then. They had to get their uh, last few outs, and they did. What's the rivalry like between the Astros and the Rangers? Uh, it's really picked up. This year they had other incidents. They're in the same division. They battled it out to get to the playoffs. Uh, so th- they've been battling all year. Obviously, they're geographic rivals, being both the uh, the two teams from the state of Texas. So, uh, yeah, bad blood to begin with, uh, though it was countrymates. So Adonis Garcia from Cuba and Jordan Alvarez from Cuba. Actually, it was Jordan who really calmed down the situation and, and really kept... Um, at Dallas Garcia from from losing it, so it was nice to see opposing team but countrymen uh, work together. And Dusty Baker, the manager, legendary manager of the Houston Astros, getting ejected, and really uh, the coolest guy you're gonna ever see um, losing his cool and getting fired up because of uh, uh, how he thought they. His picture shouldn't have got ejected, but uh, it did. Bobby Abreu ejected from the game, so it was drama, fireworks every which way. Uh, so the next game is on uh, Monday Australian time, which is going to be at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time at Minute Maid Park at, uh, in Houston, so Houston at home. Um, how do you see this series going? Because the Astros need just the one more win now. Yeah, uh, you think the trend follows Houston here, but the pitching matchup actually, I think, favors Texas. Framber Valdez has been fantastic. Uh, early in the regular season, pitched a no-hitter. Um, Fantastic in the postseason last year, but has struggled um, and really struggled earlier in this series while Nathan Evaldi has pitched very well. So uh, momentum in baseball is a lot of times discussed as, you know, that morning, that day's starting pitcher. So I think that Texas does get a a really good chance to get back in the series um, in game six because of the pitching matchup. So I don't count the matches yet. No home team has won yet at this uh, ALCS either. So each of uh, each of these teams' wins have been at the other's home stadium, which has been a fascinating point as well uh, to take note of. The NLCS, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, won the first two matches and they absolutely obliterated the Diamondbacks in game two, 10 nothing. And at that point, you're thinking, well, the power hitting that the Philadelphia Phillies have all the way down the order is just is, is going to overwhelm the Diamondbacks. Uh, Diamondbacks, you don't know where the, where the runs are going to come from. And then they eked out a win in game 3-2-1. Uh, and then it was um, probably the best game we've had of the series so far was yesterday in game number four where the Phillies had built a good lead through the middle innings, innings uh, four, five, and six. But the pitching let them down for probably both teams. Actually, there were 16 pitches used across the whole match across both teams. And then it was um, the Diamondbacks scoring three runs in the eighth innings uh, to lead 6-5 with Alec Thomas hitting a two-run home run. And then the save by Paul Seawald, who I think has been ice cold as a, as a closer for for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, so many times in these seven game spirit series and in all the sports, not just baseball but hockey and and, and basketball, 
it's themes. And yeah, we talked about the road teams winning every game, and now this series, uh, the NLCS, the home teams won every game, and it really makes sense for Philadelphia to win at home because they have such a great home field advantage, and those games are just lopsided. But Arizona just getting the wins, a, a walk-off 2-1 win in Game 3, and then, yeah, coming from, from two runs back in the bottom of the eighth inning to uh, take retake, score three runs, take the lead, and Paul Sewalt, yes, the closer, getting it done. Someone who was kind of a middling middle reliever here in, for the New York Mets and uh, has really moved up the ranks to become a closer and has done an excellent job uh, since being traded from Seattle to Arizona midseason. And locking down that game and getting Arizona even in the series. And uh, now I, I, we saw the 16 pitchers. Uh, the Diamondbacks went into the game knowing that their pitcher was only going to pitch the first inning. It was going to be a quote-unquote bullpen game for Arizona. But this game you have a very good starting pitching. Zach Wheeler, who's a horse for the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. And uh, the Diamondbacks going with Zach Gallen, who started the All-Star game for the National League. So... Much improved pitching. I think we'll see a lower scoring game. And uh, unfortunately, I do think Philly will probably get to pull this one out um, because of the edge there. And I think they are the better team. And uh, Arizona's just getting by. But I, I think Philadelphia, um, if they don't win tonight, I think they, <laughs> they definitely win uh, both their home games in Philadelphia. I'd be, still be surprised if Philadelphia doesn't win this series. Chief, tell us about the dynamic, I guess, with pitchers. Because I think when maybe new fans or casual fans to baseball watch matches they look mainly at who can who can score home runs and who can put runners on base and who who can hit the ball the longest you know out of the park but really the where the game is won and lost is with the pitchers and um, there's each team has many many pitchers because there's rotations that happen so not it's not the same it's you know unlike cricket for example which is the closest relative sport we've got in Australia where you might have the same three or four bowlers that play every match uh, in baseball, it's, it changes from game to game. So tell us what the, how they coach that and, and how uh, each team goes about managing their pitches and then who comes in and replaces them within a game as well. Yeah, well, generally during the regular season, teams go with uh, five-man rotations, five pitchers that, that rotate. And, uh, but when you get to the postseason, that's, that's the starting pitchers, and they generally go you know, between five, six innings. Uh, historically, it would be much deeper. Now we've evolved to where the bullpens are so much more in, uh, important. The relief pitching is key, um, all leading to that closer, that final reliever, um, Liam Hendricks, Grant Balfour, former Australians who, who filled that role, uh, or current Australian and in, in, current pitcher in, in Liam Hendricks, former uh, Grant Balfour. But... Uh, when you get to the postseason, because you have days off for travel, the rotations get shrunk to four, sometimes even just three pitchers. Um, but And that starting pitcher is very key. Arizona really only going with three starting pitchers. Like I said, they went with what was a bullpen game. So basically they had a different pitcher each inning pitching for the most part. Uh, but, yeah, that's you know managing the, the bullpen and and. That's the key to baseball, but also very key is, yeah, your starting pitcher, who that guy is. And Philadelphia with Zach Wheeler, one of the better ones in the league, and Zach Allen, one of the top uh, starters. So last game, it was very poor pitching, as you have in game four usually, but we have back to the top of the rotation and game one pitching. 
So why would in a match why would a, a coach go to the bullpen if if a pit, if the starting pitcher has as let's say pitched through five innings or six innings and he's doing well why would the coach then rotate him out for a relief pitcher in the seventh innings if if your starter's doing really really good? Well, that's a great question. One is just conditioning, and pitchers are conditioned very rarely to throw more than 100 pitches in a game. That seems to be kind of the magic number. Um, Zach Wheeler, he could definitely be someone who throws 110, 115, certainly in the playoffs. Um, certain pitchers are going to go out, and the most they'll give you is 90, 95 in terms of pitches. Um, the other big thing is going through the nine batter order, and that third time through the order. Now, the batters have seen you twice. They've seen probably every pitch you throw. And a lot of managers like to take their starter out after they've seen everyone twice, certainly in the playoffs where it's so important. Um, during the regular season, you have so many more innings to eat. But in the, the playoffs, you see a lot of times um, pitchers get a quick hook because of that. Or you see a situation where Justin Verlander, for example, was great the first two times through the order. They did stuck with him because he's a veteran, and that third time through, he really got hit. And that's when um, Dallas Garcia hit the home run. That's where um, the advantage came for uh, the Texas Rangers, only to be saved later by Jose Altuve and <laughs> saved him. So, um, yeah, it's, so much of it is, is rest, and then a lot of it is just seeing that pitcher again. Jordy and the Chief with you here on the All-American Hour. 0433 Send through your text messages. We are giving away a six-pack of All-American Draft beer for the best text. Root for your team and enjoy All-American Draft. Drink responsibly. Send us uh, a thought on uh, why your team is going to win this week in the NFL and, and how they're going to win as well. Give us the reason why uh, you think your team will win this week. In week number seven of the NFL, you can listen to that, of course, on uh, SEN tomorrow morning. From 4am is the kickoff uh, here in Australia. Uh, myself and Ben Graham on the call. We are reaching that point in the calendar year where all four sports are going to overlap for a little bit. Uh, it doesn't happen uh, for too long. It's only maybe a week or two where they all cross over. But the NBA starting on Wednesday means all four of the major codes will be active. And the start of the NBA season, Chief, is always a much-hyped thing. The NBA very popular here in Australia. Wednesday's when it begins. Doubleheader with the Lakers taking on the reigning champions, the Denver Nuggets, in a replay of the Western Conference Final. And then the Suns travel to the Golden State Warriors. Thursday, a pick of the games. Detroit go to Miami, who were the runners-up last year. And the Mavericks take on the Spurs, where we'll be seeing the debut of the number one draft pick, Victor Wembenyama, the Frenchman who stands at seven foot four. 224 centimetres, that is, in metric. So we've got um, some pretty big games coming up on the opening day and uh, obviously the much-hyped debut of Victor Wembenyama. The NBA is not far away. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about the NHL and a young player in Connor Bedard who expecting to be a superstar, but Wemby or you know, Victor Wembenyama, uh, I mean, he could be something that we've just never seen before in terms of uh, really a evolutionary type player uh, just his height and length and his athletic ability so just in the preseason already we've seen things that just are haven't seen before and we're just waiting and hopefully he can uh, get a chance to play and be healthy throughout the season and, and we get to experience that and um, also the the new team you know the new kind of maybe not super teams but you know how will the Celtics be with the addition of Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis the Milwaukee Bucks adding Damian Lillard and uh, the Phoenix Suns adding Bradley Beal so you know with full season of Bradley Beal Devin Booker Kevin Durant uh, and those those teams just all are loaded with lots of uh, fun and exciting players. So uh, definitely have, I think, four clear-cut best teams, and then there's a gap 
and uh, and then a further gap from there. How hungry will the Bucks be, uh, particularly now after we'll bringing Lillard in, but then also after the back of uh, their shock first round exit in the playoffs last season? Yeah, I think you know Giannis. Uh, he's just such a great player, the Greek freak, and uh, I love Chris Middleton. He's still there. They really have some great defensive players, and Brooke Lopez. And yeah, they were obviously embarrassed to to lose as a, as a number one seed. But Damian Lillard, I think, getting a chance to play with someone uh, of equal and maybe even better talent, uh, he, I think he's even going to step up his game even more. And I would expect Damian Lillard to just be so much fun to watch with a great team around him. There we go. The NBA gets underway this Wednesday. The doubleheader to start from 10.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. The Lakers at the Nuggets and then the Suns at the Warriors. Let's talk a bit of uh, motor racing for a moment here, Chief, because the Formula One is uh, in the United States. The sprint race, as we go to air live, starts in about two minutes. And then the the main race is tomorrow at 6 a.m. Australian Time. Charles Leclerc on pole. But the USA, um, we know, is having a bigger footprint now on Formula One. Yes, yeah, the uh, race in Austin, had a race in Miami, and then um, actually just in a few weeks they'll be back uh, racing in, in Las Vegas. So uh, Formula One got very popular here with that uh, uh, reality show that was <laughs> uh, broadcast, so it become popular, even though the same guy wins every week. I don't really get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and NASCAR as well, we are at the pointy end of the season. Yeah, just a few races left. I just want to mention Martin Truex Jr., who's third right now in the standings and hopefully gets a chance to win the Cup. Uh, his crew chief, James Small from Melbourne. So again, uh, just amazing wow. how how small the yeah how small the worlds are. And uh, yeah, we pointed out the the uh, we're talking about the IndyCar just finished up and um, Scott Dixon second, uh, Scott McLaughlin third, uh, mm. Will Power seventh. So, uh, yeah, over here, motor racing, a lot of uh, Australian f- uh, flavour. Excellent stuff, Chief. It's been great fun as always, and we've got a busy week ahead of us. We'll chat again next week. Thank you, Jordy. Jordy and the Chief, the All-American Hour here on SEN. Make sure to podcast the show at sen.com.au. Catch us again next Sunday morning. And the Eagles fan off the text, you've won the beer. <laughs>